0: Hello, good morning, good evening, and good afternoon. And wherever you are in this beautiful world that we live in, you're very welcome to Growing Professionals podcast. I'm very excited. I'm always very excited to speak with someone new, someone interesting. So this, we're on a mission to discover the most cutting edge learning and development techniques we use in this. And what you see are the most pressing topics of 2021, So let's, without further ado, it's Orla Carmody, if I can pronounce it correctly. I know your brother as well. So you're very, very (laughs) welcome. And you've got a very strange uh, uh, spelling of your name. Uh, I haven't come across that yet. My wife is Orla. Yeah,
1: well mine, that's the traditional Irish spelling, the old Irish spelling. She maybe went for the plain Orla, but it's the same name, yeah.
0: So you're very welcome to this podcast. So normally, what I, I, I like to ask is, um, what got you into what you're doing, really? So, uh, what were the sort of that anchor points along the way that said, said to yourself, "This is what I want to do. This is my passion. This is this is what I aspire. This is my most my life and whatever else." So, those are the little points along the way, I'm always intrigued about that.
1: Well, I suppose I've made my career and my life in the world of communications. I'm basically talking for a living. Uh, because so much of what I do is learning and development or training or strategy or uh, communications consultancy and all of that. But interestingly, when I'm doing live trainings or, you know, uh, keynote speeches, I often talk about the key thing that switches on some part of your brain. And I very often work with people on what their key influencers were in their past that led you to believe you could be good at one thing or another. And in my case, it was a lovely um, friend of my mother's, a lovely elderly lady who used to phone the house and in those days, we would answer the phone with our telephone voice, because you'd be ask, answering on behalf of your parents and you'd say hello or whatever, you know. But this lovely lady used to always say, her name was Phil and she used to always say, oh, it's the girl with the golden voice. I don't know why she liked my voice, but she she put it into my head that I had a nice voice. And I ended up in debating in school and communications and drama. I loved the stage, I loved theater. And I then went into broadcast journalism and from that, eventually found my way into training and development. So that's been the journey. Um, and in the latter years, it's been all about training and development and, and, and consultancy work and executive coaching.
0: And executive. yeah. You know, things that I didn't do, which I should normally do, but that's fine. Sometimes uh, I, I give you a proper introduction later on down the line, but I didn't do that. But, you know, that's, uh, that's uh, part and parcel of it. So I got your details from LinkedIn. So your leadership and executive coach, Credited senior practitioner, design facilitation, leadership development expert, uh, communications expert, media, digital broadcasting. <laughs> oh my God, there's a massive accolade here. So that's I think that-
1: I'm around a long time, Jason. I've had a lot of time to do a lot of things. That's why
0: I didn't say that. I didn't say that. <laughs> You've got <laughs> a lot of uh, the collective experiences from different genres mm-hmm. uh, of over your period of time living on this beautiful world. So describe to me what you do. So, uh...
1: Well, I run a business with my uh, husband and business partner, Gavin Duffy and Associates, and we work with various organisations and individuals on communications, on strategy, on media relations. In, in sort
0: of, uh, rich detail.
1: Yeah, it's quite a broad spectrum based on the client, based on the individual. And. Um, A number of years ago, we set up for 20, 25 years in business, more nearly coming up to 30 years. When we set up originally, it was very much traditional training. It was classroom-based training, and you would have... 10 or 15 executives from an, an organization working on their presentation skills or working on their negotiation skills or it would, was very much like that now, that has obviously completely changed over the years uh, um, yeah. and then of course with with the zoo with the advent of COVID and in in the last year it's been very much online and has suppose has moved more to one-on-ones and smaller groups but in my sort of personal career trajectory and learning in my own learning and development I did a lot of work around uh, the executive coaching piece because I wanted to bring that element to the work that I've been doing over many years. And I find that a lot of my work is now veering towards that. It's a lot of one-on-one mentoring and coaching of different people at different stages of their own career development.
0: Mm-hmm. And tell me this, what what is your learning and development? So how do you stay ahead of the trend? Because I'm, I'm an avid reader. I'm, I, I'm yeah. constantly on other podcasts. But yeah. how do you do it?
1: Well, in terms of um, uh, structured training, I started out in journalism. So I, my original training was in journalism. And then um, I took some years out after I, I was in RTE. I was a broadcast journalist for a number of years in the 90s. And then I took time out because of my family. I had four young children at the time. And when I, after a number of years, when I began to want to kind of filter back into our own business, which we'd set up at that stage, yeah. communications training consultancy, I kind of had to fill the well again for myself so I went back to DCU and I did a masters in communications. Oh, wow. uh, I wanted to just get the upskilling myself, you know, because as you know training and de- development is very much um giving blood at times, you're there at the top of the room, you have to pump up all these people and empty the contents of your head and give it to people. So first of all, to do that, you have to fill the well. And having been at home with kiddies for a number of years, I said, I've got to do this. So I had a wonderful experience in kind of midlife doing a master's in, in, in communications. And then in the last few years, you know, because I had drifted into this executive coaching and I was coaching people for years. And I had like a thousand hours of one-on-one coaching built up. I had a thousand hours of group coaching, team coaching, uh, leading strategy and development for teams and all of this. And I didn't have a formal qualification. And I said, you know, I'd like to do that again. It was time to fill the well again. So I did the EMCC senior practitioner um, accreditation program, which was very interesting going through that process of looking back at all the work we've done over the last three or four years and really uh, reflecting on it and looking at the the difference you've made to different groups and teams over the years in order to get this uh, qualification, which I did. So, I suppose if you're in the business of preaching lifelong learning, you have to do it yourself and you've constantly, yes, (laughs) you have to look what is you're, you're offering yourself and make sure you're staying up to date and that you're upskilling yourself in order that you can upskill others, others, if that makes sense.
0: That's wonderful. And uh, you, as, I, as I rudely interrupted you, then uh, you do have to practice what you preach and you do have to experience all different levels of learning. So what do you think is sort of the, the major learning over the last 12 months. um, What's the impact in a slightly different way uh, that people are actually gaining from now from from your experience and your point of view?
1: Well, I think we saw a big move towards e-learning in the last number of years. I've said over the 20, 25 years I'm in this business, I've seen so many changes. And there was a big move towards e-learning because it's controllable. You manage it yourself. You do it on your own time. It's self-determination. You work out your learning plan yourself. You go to your organization and you say, these are my learning needs. And you can access things online and do it at your own pace. And Mm -hmm. all of that is very positive. However, um, in the sort of last year throughout COVID, so much of it had to be done online where there wasn't that choice and there wasn't that, well, I'm opting to do online because it suits me rather than I'd love to be in the classroom and have that buzz of learning with other yeah, people. Cool. So I think there was a kind of an acceleration of the e-learning. And I think that's going to go full circle. I think we're going to come right back around because so much of what we need in the world of work nowadays is the what we call the transversal skills and you know their problem solving and self-motivation and, and resilience and communication skills. All of what we used to call the soft skills, which is underselling them, but it's my area of expertise, and so of course I'm going to say they're 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 core and central. But more and more, we're seeing how absolutely central they are, rather than the the um, the, the scientific side of things, which is hugely important, and we have to have the basics in terms of whatever the skill set required for a job is. But mm-hmm. the transversal skills are the ones that allow you pivot, allow you change, allow you adapt, allow you move to a new role, a new job, a new organization. And they are absolutely so essential, and more and more so, and going to become more and more so. And the best way to teach those is really in person. So I think the e-learning will will continue, it will serve a a role for us. We've seen it uh, grow during COVID. But honestly, I can't wait to get back into a room. And I'm sure there's an awful lot of people who can't wait to get back into a room. Because no matter how good e-learning is, I believe personally there is no joy in it. There is business-like ticking of boxes. I did the learning. I've achieved this. I now know how to do this. I can apply these skills. But was there any joy in that, in logging on and slogging through this? Whereas for me, there's a joy in a training room. You come in in the morning and people are all buzzed up. What are we going to do today? You roll up the sleeves and you get around. And for me, I deliver the first sort of segment that morning. And then by coffee time, people are buzzing and they're discussing yeah. all the things we learned. And you're breaking them into groups and you're listening and getting feedback and you do the next bit of the learning. And by the end of the day, you've seen such a trajectory in those people in terms of how they relate to each other in how they absorb the concepts, about how they put them into practice in the room, and you know that learning has landed. Whereas with e-learning, I still, you know, I don't honestly know, no matter how much we, we put the metrics and the science around it, how much it has actually landed. Because it is all too easy to put it on in the background, let the learning run, the system has monitored and 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 logged that you've done it, but actually, do you know what? You've been on this, and you've been <laughs> you've been doing other things as well. You know. So, anyway, I'm traditional, so of course, I'm going to advocate for traditional forms of
0: learning. Yeah, I like the both. I like both sides myself. Uh, I like being online because I can reach a bigger audience, but I do understand the buzz. I only did a handful of uh, in front of people last year. I loved it. And I was going yes I can't wait to get back out there again. The yeah. key thing that I always think especially with learning and development is they learn the stuff in there and they, they're excited but they don't use it. They lose it. So I'm always about the ha- habit. What what how can we install a habit afterwards that they can go and practice what they've learned because we know after 24 hours they lose 50%. So what's your take on this and how how could you how How do you impact that?
1: Yeah, it's very interesting because, you know, none of us want to be tasked with doing homework. And yet we know it's what works in learning and particularly how adults learn. We have to implement as quickly as possible in order to start creating that habit and in order to start doing the thing in the new way, whatever that thing might be. And, you know, when you're doing a modular training program, as we're doing now so much online, um, I think it's terribly important to set the learners a task that they must complete before we meet again, so that when we start in the next round of the training, next Tuesday at three o'clock, they're going to say, yes, I tried this, and this is what I found, and this is the result. You need them to report back to you to say, yes, I put it into practice because if we're starting here fresh this Tuesday and we haven't really implemented what we learned last Tuesday, the the modular learning is not happening. It's not taking place, that incremental uh, learning, which is what we want, because all learning is layered, as we know, and we need to layer the next piece on the last piece. And I, I think so when we're structuring programs now, it's very much about setting a task and having some way of showing that that was done, was understood. Were there challenges with it, tell us if there were before we move on to the next segment. Um, so yeah yeah, I think that, that that really works well. Another thing I'm noticing very much online at the moment and for example now I was doing a, a, a communications training program with a group of mid-career professionals there online a couple of days ago about 20 people online and it was a two-hour program and I had structured it in such a way that this is what I was going, this was the, the different blocks I was going to impart yeah. in that time. And as it progressed, I found I was speaking much less than I normally would do in a training, in that you're trying to shoot out all this information. I was actually speaking less, and I was asking them more and more for experience shares and how they were getting on and what they were finding yeah. and what the challenges were and what their struggles were. And this, it turned into a facilitation rather than a training. So at the end of it, um, and you know, we, we wrapped up and I got around the houses from everybody to see what they were taking away and they'd all taken away two or three you know, good points. So I felt I'd earned my keep, but I was having the discussion afterwards with the person who had um, set up this training. And I said to him, I spoke much less than I normally do. And I'm wondering, do you feel I imparted em- enough knowledge in the time I had mm. With your group, he said, "Oh, he said you read it perfectly. They needed to talk. They needed to be heard. They were all because the issues were all about where, what we're doing right now: confidence online and yeah, of you know, course. putting up your hand in the meeting or trying to get your point across when there's a time delay or the chair isn't really watching the screens to see who wants to come in." Or and they were just having a lot of struggles with this and. As I was going along, I realized I had to hear this and I had to understand it and I had to let them discuss among themselves as to how they would overcome this and come to resolutions about how they would overcome it. As I said, it turned from a training into a facilitation, but everybody was happy, so job done. <laughs> I earned I my thought, key.
0: I think that's a wonderful way of doing it because, you know, sometimes, you know, that pyramid of learning, uh, yeah. the first one is by... Uh, I, I the the best way that people learn is sometimes by discussion and actually embed them and talk, self-talk to themselves. And yeah. it sinks in. And the discussion part of it is absolutely perfect. So I think you read the room perfectly there. You know, you know, like in coaching as well, you ask lots of questions and get people to just feed you back information yeah. or feed forward information. Yeah. And you get an understanding and you hope that it sinks into the yeah. unconscious, subconscious mind So they've got it in there and the new ones wire and fire together. My technical motivation
1: our whole style of communication within organizations has changed. I mean, obviously organizations are flatter. We welcome people to share their views. We want them to share their views. We don't want people to be silent in meetings. You know, again, as part of my training with with young people particularly, I always say, never sit in on a meeting. You don't ever sit in on a meeting. You're there for a reason. You're there to, to give some information, to get some information, to have a problem solved for you, to contribute something, to learn something, you are never sitting in. Don't ever sit in. Don't be that silent person. You, you're you there for a purpose and work out your purpose before you join the meeting or don't join it, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, so, um, yeah. And,
1: and that I think is, is a confidence piece as much as anything else is the communication side of it. And with younger people particularly, it's very much about finding a, a respectful but assertive way to get into that meeting. And even if it means waiting till the any other business and going back to it and saying on agenda item one, I didn't fully understand what the decision was there. Can you help me or remind me what the decision was? Great. And by the way, can I also have a decision on? And by the way, can I also comment on? Even if it comes to the end, but don't yeah. don't go off that call and say, oh, I never got my stuff said. You know, it's, it, it's that, but it's interesting.
0: So based on that, um, especially with uh, Generation, whatever it is now, ZYP or whatever, <laughs> I, keep, I keep forgetting where we keep moving on. How do you create that uh, that atmosphere when you first start in person or online? Because it's all, all the same, really. How do you get that buzz going?
1: Yeah, I suppose um, in person or online, I, you know, really when you're starting with a group, you um, the very first thing you have to do with them is gain their trust and gain their confidence. And, you know, within 10 seconds, we've judged whether somebody is worth listening to or not. And, you know, we, we really are, our our attention span in that regard has got much shorter than it ever used to be. I always feel I have to open up my training with some big bang approach. You know, the story, the, the question, the statement, there's something that will actually grab their attention, make them listen, and say, she's going to be worth listening to. I'm glad I came here today. And people have to decide that very quickly. And depending on the group you're working with, you have to pick that opening salvo very tailored to their needs, to who they are, to what they're looking for. It's always put the audience first. It's not all this great, clever material I've got today to deliver to you. I have to find out what it is you really want to hear. Why are you here today? So I always structure my opening in a way, I think that settles people down and tells them, you know, this is gonna be fun. It's gonna be engaging. It's not gonna be heavy duty. You're gonna be glad you came on this. Yes, it's training, yes, it's work, but you know what, you're gonna enjoy it. And I wanna hear from you as much as I want to talk to you. I need to kind of set that up and give people permission Then you'll find, and I also find, you know, on some platforms like Zoom, for example, there's rooms. And that's a wonderful feature because very early on in the training, drop people into rooms and let them just discuss a few things with each other. And you can almost see the shoulders dropping and everybody relaxing (laughs) and get into the rooms. And then they come back and always somebody will speak up for the group and you'll start getting the ball rolling. And it's as if once you've heard your voice on the session, that gives you permission then to speak and permission to drop in again at a later point or to way to let yourself get in. So it's little things like that that just set people up for success. And you know, I can have a group on a training, a very mixed group. You might have, as I said, young professionals and there might be people there my own age who are struggling with having their point across on this online virtual world that we've all been landed into whether as I said, it was by choice or not. Initially, it might have been by choice, but now we're in it whether we like it or not. And people have a comfort level with it. And some are more comfortable than others.
0: Yeah, I think there is a big comfort zone uh, in in the virtual world. And it's something that you have to learn. Uh, I, I interviewed a guy called Mark Bolden uh, a few weeks ago, and he's sort of an expert body language guy, mm. Uh, mm. international, but he teaches that. But you know, it's we're used to it in the real world, but in the virtual world, it's slightly different. So you have yeah. to, it's okay yeah. to stare into the camera because uh, it's, its uh, in the real world, if I stared at you face-to-face like that, it would probably be a little bit disconcerting. Um, so um, yeah. I like the way that you've done that because uh, it gives me some good golden nuggets so I can learn. What, can you give us some more sort of golden nuggets? Because I like to feed forward for the audience that are listening so they can gain some knowledge and some understanding about the best approach for them.
1: Well, people often ask, you know, at the moment, well, what more can employers do for people? Because we're all going through this, what what more should we do or can we do for them? And I always say there's two distinct things you can do online for people right now, where people are working remotely, feeling a bit disconnected from the mothership, doing their best with what we've got and trying to stay focused on on the role and the tasks and and delivering on the deliverables but people are just you know struggling a bit and there's two distinct things they can do first of all they can line up um sessions online that are about inspiration, are about entertainment, are about team building, as well as about the business of getting the work done, keeping the shutters up, keeping the lights on in the particular business. You know, there are good motivational and inspirational speakers that they could, you know, line up for them on a Friday morning as a treat, as a reward. Come online this time, guys, and this is not a big challenging meeting. This is just something for you. It's a gift we're giving you to cheer you up. And then you go online all buzzed up. I'm going to hear somebody interesting and there isn't any pressure on this one because I don't have to contribute I'm going to be just challenged and it's a bit of learning but it's going to be as I said entertainment value and I don't mean it that in the light-hearted sense I mean it's going to be interesting and inspirational and motivational so that's one thing they can do and I think more employees or employers need to do that now they need to line up those kind of sessions for people to make online more interesting. And the second thing they need to do is to give people training or upskilling online for the very people who are saying, I just find this so awkward. And I know we're all doing it for months now and it's not getting any easier for me. Just give them a bit of training in it because some very simple techniques can make a difference. You know yourself, the amount of people who you talk to like this online and they still haven't worked out the angle of <laughs> basics and nobody has told them get your camera angle right or you know raise your laptop up a little so that we're at eye level and the laptop is down there and we're looking this way or we're looking this way or the you know simple simple things that will just set the person up for success and the amount of employers who haven't given that to their employees yet is a pity so as I said there are two distinct things I would like to see people doing just to help people through this time we're all in
0: I, I love that, uh, and I like the way you turned the, the laptop up as well. So, for all the audio listeners out there in uh, iTunes and all that, what well, all I actually did was lift the, the the laptop up and down. But it's a really key thing just to look straight ahead. Have the cam, have the laptop raised uh, slightly higher. Uh, microphones, are, you can use whatever microphone that you want to. I, I've got a nice microphone, but I, I like that. I. The thing that I was going to ask, and while you was talking, was people miss coffee breaks because oh. that's the time that they—that's the time that I think that's the when the learning actually happens. When you do the facilitation and everything else afterwards, when they talk about the discussions, that's the key thing that's probably missing in the online world. So, how how do you cope yeah. with that? Um, and yeah. what sort of ideas do you have around that?
1: Yeah, yeah, we're missing. We're missing uh, the coffee breaks, the little asides, the little corridor meetings where you can get a bit of support for your idea so that by the time it comes on the agenda item and there's a vote or whatever, you've already garnered a bit of support outside the door, the offline piece, so your your motion is carried. We're missing that. We're missing, as I said, just the human social interaction of the chat over the coffee. We're missing movement. We're some of us are too sedentary, and we're staying too long in one place. Yep. And you know, the the movement within a meeting is so important. Again, one of the things I would do with people a lot is I, in the old days, um, I would facilitate strategy sessions with, say, the senior leadership team in an organization. So you know, you get people around the boardroom, and we're going to spend the day working out our plan for the next year or whatever it is we're doing. And you know the way, as a trainer, you really want to get movement and energy into the room. So you start giving them the post-its and putting them up on the walls and get them up to flip charts and start writing things up. Movement gets the flow going and gets the energy yeah, going. Fast, and fast. At the coffee break, of course, so much more energy and so much more discussion happens. And the session you have after the coffee break, when people come back, it's guess what we were discussing? Guess what we've decided? And they input all of this information. So, online, um, how do we get over that? Well, you know, there are people again who, you know, will do little sort of mini exercises between sessions if it's a long meeting. Our concentration span online is um, shorter than it is in reality. Uh, You know, we will listen to so much in a meeting, maybe 40 minutes. And really, you have to say, okay, we're going to take a comfort break now. Two minutes, three minutes. Everybody go stretch. Go get your coffee. Do what you need to do. Come on back in five minutes and we'll go again. We have to do that in the middle of long meetings because people have to stand up. They have to move. They have to come back. And you can't have the virtual coffee with your colleagues, but you physically need to move to get the energy levels going in your own head again. And then, as I said, the rooms earlier. That's the coffee break. And, you know, again, sometimes in a session where I'm meeting people and I'm going to be doing a lot online over the course of a day, um, I'll set up the first room uh, very early on. And it's only to chat. This isn't a bit of serious business we're doing here. Just relax, folks, have a chat, see who else has introduced yourself, see who else is online and people come back. And they say, whatever, I might have set them some tasks to discuss. Oh, we didn't really get to that, Jeff. We were just kind of getting to know each other. That's brilliant. That's wonderful. That's part of it. We can always go back to discuss the topic again. So, and particularly where it's a company that I'm working with, that I know this team, you know, are working together. And the first time they catch up in the room will be, Oh my God, I haven't seen you in two months. How are you getting on? You know, it literally be social and that's okay because they're a team and they're supposed to be social as well as everything else. So that element of it is very useful, That they can just catch up for a few minutes and then get stuck into the work. Yeah. So we have to find ways and it's a bit contrived, I know, but it's important. We've got to do it because we as human beings need it badly. We really need it badly. We need that interaction and that connection. Um another thing that I would I would often say to people, um, you know, wh- when we've finished a training session or whatever, and say, look, you guys clearly need to catch up on this. As soon as we're finished, will you just pick up the phone to each other and have an old fashioned phone conversation? And, all and because, again, we get a bit bogged down nowadays in. Um, you know can I schedule a call with you and we go back and forward the emails back Tuesday at 8 no Wednesday four, no and our diaries and we're just, just pick up the phone and get the job yeah, done yeah, right. you can overdo it with the scheduling of this call whereas before we were very free to pick up the phone to somebody another thing you, you notice with um, young people particularly um, you know you have the intern in your office or whatever and you're you say would you phone the client and will you say such and such. And um, I'll be back after the meeting. We'll we catch up then. And you come back after the meeting and you say to them, so what's the client say? And they go, Oh, um, I haven't heard back yet. And you say, what do you mean? I emailed them. It was much safer oh, to just no. email. And I've said, I oh, don't know, pick up the phone to them. And And sometimes again, just younger people are less confident on the phone because they didn't spend their youth on the phone the way I did, because I didn't have other forms and platforms and WhatsApp and all of these things to communicate with. Everything you did, you had to do by the phone. So we got darn good at it. Whereas maybe the younger generation are less inclined to. And sometimes you have to remind them, you can get the job done, you can cut to the chase if you just pick up the phone and ask the person for two minutes of their time. If they're in the middle of the meeting, they'll say, I can't talk to you.
0: You can always call them later. There's no harm in calling somebody, you know. We all have phones, you know. (laughs) Yes. Phones are so easy to pick up and it's like, it's maybe that's the learnings to be done off the soft skills going forward, uh, for the younger generations is yeah. to am uh, big into the soft skills, exactly the same as you, because I think communication is absolutely key that we, um, we have and we use and we use our emotional intelligence. I know that's a big thing. Uh, the question I was actually thinking of, uh, while we were speaking, because it's all to do with that. Where, where'd you, if you had a crystal ball, where'd you see the next 12 months going, uh, with or without COVID, I think COVID's going to be uh, hanging around for a bit, but how do you see in, this sort of approach? In terms of the
1: learning and development world in general or my own take on it?
0: Oh, well, your own take on it and how you see things because it's all about, because uh, this is all about you today and you're you're my special guest.
1: Um, One area that I'm really focusing on at the moment that I think we need to do a a body work in, and that is with the older age cohort. So one of the consultancy pieces of work I do is with Age Friendly Ireland, and it's all about, I'm I'm the business consultant to them, so we're advising businesses on looking at how age friendly they are in terms of do they make the shopping or consumer experience comfortable for the older person. And I've really began engaging with that and taking it to a much wider, broader level. And, and it is this, and it's that there are a million people in Ireland currently over the age of 55, and that's going to double by by 2050. That's going to be about 2 million people. And this is the mushroom, uh, this is a big societal issue. It's the mushroom effect that they saw occur in Germany, first of all, and it's happening now in Ireland, where we will see you know, this older demographic Um, And the younger population, the working population supporting this older generation and the public purse supporting this older generation for far longer than ever before. Mm -hmm. So if you retired at 64 in the past, you would have to, you know, maintain your pension for five or six years because that's all you were probably going to live. Now you're probably going to live during 90. So for 30 years. So we have to look at people retiring and say, and I mean, it's quite an emotive thing because a lot of people have worked very hard all their lives, are well looking forward to retiring at 64 or 65 and see it as an entitlement. And that's fair enough. But there are a lot of people age 55 who are being quietly pushed out the door by bigger businesses because, you know what, you're less relevant and you haven't upskilled and um, anyway, you're costing too much because younger people cost less and we need to create these redundancies. And I really, really want to look at a piece of work to do to encourage the bigger businesses to retain and value older employees for a lot longer, Agreed. to use them in, in ways of mentoring and coaching younger staff. You know, this whole um, knowledge transfer or this tacit knowledge that, again, is at the yeah. core of the the, the, the the softer skills, but that tacit knowledge in a business is being lost if we're pushing everybody over 55 out the door because they're too expensive or because we haven't trained them and upskilled them to stay relevant or we've put it into their own heads that they're less relevant by not supporting them and therefore they begin to think, oh gosh, maybe I'll take early retirement. As a society, as a country, we can't afford that. We cannot afford people to be taking early retirement. We need people to be net contributors to the economy for longer. That's just the reality of this huge issue that's coming at us like a train. And as, as part of the one of the central tenets of the programme for government, ageing well is, is a huge part of that. And that's where Age Friendly Ireland sits in the middle of this ageing well, that we create a society where uh, older people are valued and respected and you know it's a it's good to place work. to live and work for longer. But for those of us in learning and development, you know, there was a whole um, National Learning and Development Strategy 2025, the Skills Strategy 2025 document, and it, it it goes into all of the pieces of work we need to do around learning and development, and mm-hmm. there was little or nothing in it about the over 55s, and there's a huge bank of talent there that I think we need to support, upskill, retain an employment for longer, and it's, it's a body of work that I'm really keen on looking at myself, and just seeing how I can take this forward.
0: Uh, you've hit the nail on the head actually, because I was actually going to gonna jump in there because uh, uh, it's a real thing for me at the moment. I really understand that because even in the corporate world, they say there's diversity, and inclusion and all of that. But I think yeah. there's a lot of ageism out there as well. As much as the companies say there isn't, but when you poke the question to them, there is because all they think of uh, the younger generation. Younger generation, the old, the older generation, or people in their fifties. I, I, I was lucky enough to hit fifty last year. Obviously, I don't look it, but that's another thing altogether. <laughs> but you know, we've still got huge amount of talent. We've got so much to offer, so much to give forward to the younger generation, and regardless of whether being paid enough or sometimes it doesn't really matter because it's all about giving back and giving the talent around you and we're we're all talented ourselves so the money is like here or there like you maybe you've earned it enough over the years and like i don't really care i just want to still be employed i love what i do and that's my passion Mm -hmm. so
1: Yeah. And you want to stay relevant and relevance is everything, staying relevant and feeling relevant and feeling that your knowledge is contributing, which of course it is. But I think as a society, we really have to look at this piece because you have rightly hit on it. So many big organizations now have big diversity and inclusion programs and there will be networks within the organization for the LGBTQ communities, for new parents, for every, you know, for, um, the new Irish, shall we say, so every manner of society, yeah. and we welcome and welcome and welcome that diversity. But I think you you're right. I think ageism will be the last bastion of 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 um you know inequality in, in the workplace. Because, you know, even businesses that really engage with so many aspects of diversity and inclusion, they're the very businesses that are still gently nudging the over 55s towards the door. And we are shooting ourselves in in the foot as a society if we do that, because as I said, of the knowledge loss, first and foremost, but secondly, because of this huge societal aging demographic population that we are going to have to carry and we have to find a way to do that and to pay those pensions for 30 years, not for five or 10 years. And the way to do that is to contribute more for longer and to have more people in full employment and as net contributors to the you know, economic activity until you know 64 or 65 or later if they choose to do so. I mean, anybody who wishes to retire, fine, we'll have to respect that. But there are yeah. many people who still feel absolutely capable of working 65, 67, 68 and older. Um, And and I think we have to really explore that and allow people to do that if that's what they choose and not to be made feel less relevant because the training and development is not put around them. So, you know, I mentioned, you know, the the phone earlier on, you know, the way I'm an older generation, so I use my phone this way, you know, and my young adults snatch the phone from me and go, this is the way you do it. (laughs) You know, and they kind of say, and I say, Lads, will you stop? I am well capable of using my phone. I use it my way. Imagine. But if you <laughs> imagine that that idea, you know, extrapolated out in a workplace where somebody is being made feel less relevant because they're not as fast as producing the document or producing the, the, the flow chart or whatever it might be. Um, but they have this wonderful knowledge that is that tacit knowledge which is the heart and soul of an organization because the culture, the way of doing things, all the unwritten things, that's that they're the keepers of this knowledge, and they need to be able to transfer it. And the way they can stay, and, and in their own sense, feel relevant, is by putting some training around them so that they don't fall behind on the technology, they don't fall behind on the IT. They stay up to speed with that, and then all of that other wonderful knowledge they have is allowed to blossom and flourish. And I, I really want to look at that because I just feel... missing a piece there's there's an absolute drive in government to make our towns and our cities and our businesses more age-friendly in terms of even how uh, accessible towns are how walkable they are if you're getting around them you know seating and lighting and all of that is being done you know we're, we're designing homes now with wider doorways and all of this to make them more accessible all of this is happening and the key piece we're missing in all of this is just keeping people in employment longer. <laughs> and somebody's going to
0: join the data on this. There's, there's a scientific, this uh, I wouldn't say a discovery, and I, I know I've been reading lots of lots of Dr. Joe Dispenza, but the brain, as long as they're wired together, they fire together. So as long as they're engaged, as long as they're still reading, as long as they're still learning, then they're retaining the information we can all learn regardless of what age we are and that's been proven so many times again and again so that's that's one of the things that i totally and absolutely uh i'm 100 million percent in agreement i know i can't go one
1: the um, the skills strategy document 2025 this government document and one of the interesting things in it is that lifelong learning in ireland the participation in lifelong learning in Ireland, when this study was done, which I think was around 2016, it's a couple of years ago now, was standing at about 6.7%, whereas in Europe it's at about 10.7%, and the ambition here in Ireland is to get it up to 15%, so you see very good programs like the Springboard program, which yes, is to to go back to education and later life and to retrain and all of that, and that will have an impact, but we need to see lots more of it, we need to see people, and particularly... The higher you're educated or the more professional your education or the higher level of third level you attained, the more likely you are to be still in employment in your 60s, whereas the lower skill sets are much more likely to be unemployed in, in later life. And that's something, again, we've got to, as a society, address. Uh, that we actually allow people to reskill and retrain at some point. So particularly if you are, you know, for example, a manual worker and you're doing quite physical work, of course, coming to late 40s, late 50s, it starts to get harder. Well, that's the point yes. where you have to retrain. Instead of saying, well, I'll never work again. You know, my trade is is too hard for me to do now. Instead of saying, I'm only 50. I have 15 really good years or more of me. I could completely retrain and take up a new role in some completely different industry and be really good at it. And that's mm. a big part to look at.
0: I think that's absolutely awesome. And I totally and totally agree. And what I found over the last uh, 10 years or so, I've learned more now in the last 10 years than I did in my uh, late teens and 20s. I've, really, yeah. I've accelerated in stuff that I learned because I'm fascinated with it. I, yeah constantly uh, delving into hundreds of books and learning platforms and this, that, other, because I want to learn more and understand things. So I'm yeah. totally in agreement with you right now. Ola, it's been absolutely fascinating. I've really enjoyed this conversation. It's been brilliant. How can people find out more about you?
1: Well, uh, if they want to find me online, I, I don't hide. I'm there on LinkedIn. I love connecting with people. So shout and I'll connect with you. I'm on Twitter, I'm quite visible. And um, I have, um, my business is, uh, I have two businesses, Gavin Duffy and Associates. As I said, Gavin is my husband and business partner. That's, uh, you'll find us there online. And I also have my own separate small business, Carmody Coaching and Consulting, which again, you'll find me online, Orla at orlacarmody.com. So look, reach out, happy to talk to you. Happy to take these just kind of discussions further. I enjoy them immensely too.
0: Thank you very much. And uh, you've been listening to Growing Professionals sponsored by use because this will be released in the next couple of weeks when it is uh, and it's been pushed out through uh youtube please like it and comment it when you hear it on itunes and spotify give it a five-star rating it would be absolutely incredibly brilliant and share it among your friends let's hope we can all learn and grow together and I hope, and I know you will have learnt some wonderful things today, some beautiful golden nuggets. Thank you so much, Orla.
1: Lovely to talk to you, Jason. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye.
0: Hey, before you go, just a quick message about usebecause.com and what we're all about. We believe that true learning happens when you understand, remember, and deliberately practice your newly acquired knowledge. So with that in mind, you can get access to our purpose-built learning tools to help you do just that. So, try all our tools for all of our episodes free for a month. You can cancel any time. For all of this and all of the podcast episodes, head over to usebecause.com. Until next time.